The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Real Estate Milestones. Today, we've got Perry Zhang, who's the CEO of Cashflow Portal, which is a modern real estate software um, company and product that we're going to learn a little bit, a little bit about today. Um, he was an engineering manager at Lyft for five and a half years and worked as a software engineer at Twitter and Amazon. Um, so an interesting background into real estate, which not all of us have, but um, he was a lead sponsor on uh, on a on 850 apartment units and has raised over $20 million for real estate projects and uh, had a pretty good return for his investors. So uh, Perry, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Great. So uh, yeah, could you tell us a little bit more about your story, about your background, and then um, tell us about your first milestone in real estate? Yeah, absolutely. I came from an engineering world. I still live in Seattle. After graduation, I got a job in a tech company work as a software engineer throughout my life. And I started single families about five years after graduation, bought a first condo in the Bay Area. I house hacked that, then start buying more single families. I end up with seven of the single families in the Bay Area and Seattle and truly exhausted my debt to income ratio. So then I got into multifamily. Our very first syndication is in 2019 which is a 172 unit apartment complex. Um, out of the $4.3 million, I raised 3.5 of that. And in 2020, I was a lease indicator on a 408 unit. And 2021, I was a lease indicator on a 236 unit. Um, the milestone uh, could you know trace all the way back, but I will say my first true milestone, which ties into technology and real estate, is on that 236 units. Because at the time, I was still actually working as a software engineer manager at Lyft. And I couldn't disclose that I owned a software company uh, per se uh, to my investors. Um, so uh, before when I was raising money, I either used DocuSign to do all the paperwork or I use a software uh, company that handles all the paperwork cap table management, et cetera. And 2021 was the first time I used my own software for the paperwork, all the document signing, all the distributions, ACH, monthly communications. And my investors, my LPs were like, Perry, I actually like this software better than what you were using before. And that was probably the biggest milestone because that was the... That was the impetus for me to quit my job and go full-time on my startup. And now I, you know, uh, it doesn't feel like work. I own a software company and I it, it feels like I'm doing what I really like, which is technology and real estate. 
Awesome. Yeah, it's a great background and um very interesting. So I guess how did you figure out uh real estate or how did you even you know learn about real estate originally as a uh, someone, you know, in the tech space, probably pretty busy also. Yeah. So that's a good question. I think for the audience, you know, if you are a aspiring entrepreneur um or aspiring someone who wants you know fire fin uh, financial independence and retire early. I had the same mindset, which is I want to find some kind of passive income. And I was in the Bay Area at the time and we uh, I was trying to buy a house. And honestly, I didn't do that much calculation. I, it wasn't like I was a real estate investor back then. My very first house, the only decision calculus was that my rent uh, by buying a house being defined as the rent I in, I receive from other rooms of this condo minus the mortgage, that's my effective rent. As long as that rent is less than what I will have paid by renting somewhere else, that's a good buy. That's all I thought about, right? Like it's a terrible decision calculus. Now looking back, I think I should be more savvy than that. But that was the only decision I made. And it wasn't until I bought my first house that I started reading uh Reach that port and listening to bigger packets. So I will say how did I get started? You get started by doing, by taking action on buying the very first house. And then only after you have that first house do you have something to to go off with. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, you know, I'm glad you you figured that out early. And um, glad whatever calculus or or math you did ended up down this rabbit hole. So, um, mm -hmm. cool. Well, um, something that I'm really curious about is because I've recently been you know talking to some engineers and hearing like some engineers on podcasts, and it's like the way that they approach problem solving is very different than you learn in other other fields of study. So I kind of wanted to understand, um, you know how does an engineer think and how do you think as an engineer? And then after we can apply that to real estate. Yeah. Engineers in very short sentence, engineers, the best engineers think in first principles. They uh, one of the biggest traps in investing is you try to figure out what other people uh, think. And then you try to, do what's called groupthink. So, so there was a famous, you know, psychology experiment where people are asked to to write down what they think are the top attributes of a of a good CEO, right? And then they were asked to think about what other people might think are the good attributes of a good CEO. And then finally, they uh, the third question is, what do you think other people think are the good attributes of a CEO? And what happens is that those three answers are completely different. Um, in investing, if you go with first principles, which is, is real estate good or bad? And I, well, I need a place to live. I guess it's good that that's a, you know, that's, that's, that's very, very easy, you know, deduction, first principle. Um, Everyone is a place to stay. There are more um, people renting than buying. That means the prices, the rents should go up, right? That's first principle. But then the second way is what do other people think 
is going to happen to real estate? Well, people think that real estate is going to crash because stock market just crashed and the crypto just crashed. And so everyone else might think that uh, real estate is going to crash. But that's what other people think. Nobody knows if that's true statement. And then the third one is, given that everyone thinks it's going to crash, so I should also not buy real estate. Like That's like the third degree of interpretation, which is definitely the wrong interpretation. So, and so what that means is a good software engineer doesn't look at headlines. Uh, that kind of information is misinformation. It is not based on first principles. It's based on like what the journalists say. And they don't know anything better than anyone else. So um, that's one thing I know. Um, I'm not saying actually that all software engineers can think from first principles. In fact, some of the engineers I know are very emotional, uh, which is ironic because uh, their, their whole training is to think logical and not like buy into the hype or the mishype uh, of things. So yeah, that, that will be my answer is I try to be contrarian and right, uh, but I I know I'm very contrarian since the very beginning. Well, that's an amazing answer. I couldn't ask for a better one because um, definitely gets down to the root of what you learn as a software engineer and then um, good application to real estate. And I think it's really interesting because um, I'm a I study philosophy in school as well as finance and management. And um, when I learn like logic, um. It's like, and then I also like, I've taken a couple of Python courses. It's like, wait, like the logic that I learn and love from philosophy is like very much the same thing as the logic in Python. The one thing is <laughs> I'm really bad at the, at the, at the syntax. So I, I can't, I can't really do, do anything in Python, but it's like the logic makes sense. It's like, I see how it could be applied. And then at the same time, that logic, I apply that logic to real estate and come up with my own theses and, you know, improve my models by making good assumptions. So um, yeah, I really, I really like that, that way of thinking. It's a interesting answer. Mm -hmm. So how, okay. So let's uh get into a little bit about um what you're doing now. So uh, what's Cashflow Portal? Yeah. Cashflow Portal is a marketplace. It's a community for investors to learn about real estate syndication, connect with sponsors on real estate syndication and also to invest directly with syndicators. So that's on the front end. That's for a typical consumer is you are working as a software engineer, you're making a relatively high income and you're looking for passive income, right? Um, and you tend to live in pretty affluent neighborhoods if you are a software engineer. You know, I'm, uh, I'm generalizing, not everyone. Um, and you were pretty probably busy with your job and you're looking for ways to invest directly with a syndicator instead of putting your money into, say, a stock that you may or may not have control over, right? And so we provide a platform for you to learn what is real estate syndication and uh, be able to connect with the source of that syndication, which is the sponsors. Sponsors are kind of like entrepreneurs, right? And then finally, be, in, be able to invest with them. We provide all the, the process, the end-to-end -end back office. So you can sign the paperwork directly on the website. You can see how much you invested, what your distributions, what your monthly distributions, um, and you can put in your bank account so that they the money automatically goes into your bank account, the cash, the cash flow. The you know, expected returns are like you know, six to eight percent cash and cash, and then like 12 to 15, 12 to 20% annualized return, which 
you know, that's the historical and which is, you know, better, way better than S&P. And it's a lot less volatile and more stable. So I think we are in the early stages of a real estate syndication uh, boom. Um, and right now it's taking a step back because of all the economy, you know, um, economic conditions. But I think real estate syndication is, is there, there are two benefits of real estate syndication. The, the, the first benefit, I, I mean, people listening to this audio or podcast may have heard of real estate syndication, but so the two things I'm going to mention are slightly different. My first interpretation of real estate syndication is, by the way, for those of you who don't know, the summary is real estate syndication is a process of putting money together to buy a piece of real estate larger than any single individual can buy. It consists of GPs or general partners that do all the work. And on the other hand, it also consists of LPs or limited partners that don't do any work, but invest 50,000, 75,000, 25,000 to participate in a investment opportunity and enjoy the upside. Now, the first point I want to make there is real estate syndication is basically geographical monetary arbitrage. Right, it's taking the money from affluent folks, right, from the coastal cities, and put them into cities such as Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, uh, you know, Alabama, Memphis, you know, Kansas City, and that's a good thing because it creates win for the investors, it creates win for the GPs, and it technically creates win for the tenants who enjoy a higher class of living conditions or living asset, right? So that's my first interpretation. It's it's moving money from the rich uh, cities to the the uh, the the still the really good cities in America, and then second is uh, if you move. So at the beginning, I said I started with single family, right? And then now I move into multifamily. As you move from single family to multifamily, I believe that the reward minus uh, a reward divided by um work ratio so reward divided by work ratio approaches infinity right because you pretty much don't have to do any work in order to enjoy the upside right your job is to find the best person to manage the project um and so on so you know most people don't have time most people want financial freedom and passive income but they want to find the right way to allocate that capital and so we believe that like I believe as an industry, this is a this is going in the right place because you you know uh, anything that approaches infinity is a good thing. <laughs> definitely, and I love the the logical programming way of describing that too, which is um definitely a great reason to have you on the show. But yeah, mm -hmm. I really like that idea. So I mean, the way I think about syndication, it's doing something that you could have done by yourself by teaming up and pooling resources and um sharing in skills uh in order to you know, accomplish something that you couldn't. And so I know a lot of people think about real estate as a place for passive income, a place to grow wealth, um, and a, especially a place to diversify out of the stock market. But people just immediately go to single family homes, which obviously makes sense. You probably live in one. You've seen many of them. You've been to many of them. Um, but then people like think about acquiring one. They're like, wait, this is a lot more work. Am I really financially <laughs> free if I have to spend this many more hours managing this for a couple hundred more dollars a, a month? Um, and so I guess syndication. So yeah, I really buy into that logic for why syndication is so valuable. That um, you know, really the you you provide 
your money and you know with and you uh, have someone that you trust manage uh an actual business plan where they will you know add washers and dryers to a property uh maybe you know repaint change the appliances make it look modern and therefore someone's willing to pay more rent as a tenant and then it's a it adds value to the property, increases the cash flow, increases the value of the pro- property. And when you sell it, you know, you make a profit. So, um, you know, when I discovered syndication is because I was investing in, in uh, Apple and I was like, wait, I can't call up Tim Cook and ask him what the <laughs> heck's going on. And so I was like, wait, but if it, if, if it was someone who I knew who actually, uh, actually knew, trusted and liked doing it and also providing a better return tax advantage, sounds like a lot of, uh, a lot of good stuff. So, um, that's, yeah, that's appreciate that explanation. That's a very first principle approach um, explanation that you did as well. Yeah, no, I appreciate yeah. that. That's a, that's a compliment for a philosophy uh, yeah. major also. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So um, I'd love to um, hear a little bit about your mm-hmm. personal influence for creating cash portal. Obviously, you have a, a background in software engineering, so you have the skills to create something for yourself. But, um, you know, you're also a, a, a GP on some deals. So um, were there any pain points that you're specifically relieving from when you had to deal with that as a GP and then also as an LP, are you relieving any pain points with uh, your software as well? Yeah. So as a GP, the, so a little bit of background, 2019, we did 172 unit on that deal. I was using DocuSign for signing about 75 investors documents. They will sign the DocuSign. They will send it back to me. I countersign it. I send them an email with wire instructions. They send a wire. I look for the wire in my bank. And then I send them another manual email saying, hey, the wire has been received. I have a spreadsheet that keeps track of everyone's investment, first name, last name, entity name, um, their address and their social security number and how much they invested and how much distribution they should get. Every time when an investor wants to change their address, I go into my spreadsheet. They have to email to me. I go into my spreadsheet and I change the spreadsheet, right? And, you know, anything, every great startup starts with a spreadsheet. And so that's the very first iteration. In 2020, we use a very large company for our, for our equity raising. And I said, well, this is pretty good. But I was working at Live at the time. And it felt like the engineering bar in the commercial real estate space for is not that high. It just felt like, man, why are there so much glitches that if this is a glitch that's happening at Lyft, like we'll fix it within like 12 hours or we'll fix it literally in two hours because this is a big glitch. But for whatever reason, the, um, the software, it just doesn't really get better. And there's a part of me that felt like, Man, I worked at Amazon and Twitter and Live, and none of this software is as good as the companies I worked at. Why? What happens if I bring my skill set into this space, right? So, so, so in two thousand twenty-one, I do it, and uh, and you know, that statement turned out to be true. That I, uh, that the engineering bar is much higher. Uh, when when the Silicon Valley and caliber of engineer is brought into commercial real estate. We in, we innovate so much faster. Uh, we have amazing customers. We are growing super, super fast. Every month is a record high in revenue and users. And we, so far we have 0% churn. And so, so that's all true. Um, 
Uh, what I didn't know is I, it is my first time uh, founding the company. Uh, I'm a first time founder. So I don't know about sales. I don't know about marketing. And I don't know about uh, basically everything else besides engineering and product. And so that is the part that I had to learn a lot. Okay. Um, the, thankfully, we got into a incubator program called Y Combinator, uh, YC for sure. It's a, one of the very pretty famous uh, startup incubators in Silicon Valley. So um, Y Combinator is some of the most famous alumni include DoorDash, Stripe, Airbnb, Dropbox, Instacart, and, um, and Brex. Um, so I think what... Um, there are a few things I learned from uh, YC. The the probably the most important one is to be is how to be concise and to the point. All Y Combinator interviews are fifteen minutes long, uh, sometimes even ten minutes long, and it's incredible that in fifteen minutes they were able to talk about some of the bottlenecks or some of the fatal flaws of my thinking in 15 minutes. And some, you know, I've sometimes talked to two hours with someone and they still don't really, really get the business, right? So so that was just a a, a, a showcase of incredible um, like precision. Uh, so that's helpful. And they also like, the other thing I learned was um, uh, going into brevity. Someone, I think is uh, a, I think it's a president, a U.S. president, used to say that if you ask me to give a um, a two-hour speech, I can be ready in a week. If you ask me to give me one-hour speech, I can be ready in uh, in two weeks. And if you want me to give a, a thirty-minute speech, I need about a month to prepare. But if you want me to talk to five hours straight or unlimited speech, I'm ready now. So, so the, the, the less time you have to explain something concisely, the more effort that it requires. And I didn't know that me being the founder, uh, that's my job to, to phrase things in a way that is concise and compelling. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I know. It's definitely, I've definitely heard about Y Combinator. Uh, I listen to a lot of startup uh, podcasts and things like ah. My First Million and um, All In Podcasts. And um, so, yeah, definitely. Oh, you listen to All In Podcasts. That's a great podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's a great rundown of everything going on in the politics and economy and um, tech all in, all in one. So it's, a, it's definitely a good one. But mm. um, yeah, so yeah, so I guess... Um, where were we with uh the the software? Um, I guess you know maybe now is a good time if you um anyone who's watching this on YouTube, uh, we could uh maybe see a little bit de a demo. But um, yeah, if you could just like kind of walk us through your product in a little bit more detail for the people who are on audio, um, while uh, video can see it too, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, so let me do that really quickly. Um, I am going to share my screen for those of you who are on YouTube. And so the first thing you'll notice is that I'm going to show, I will assume that a lot of the people on the audience are investors looking to make their first you know, investment as a limited partner. And by the way, if you want to become a syndicator one day, um, 
that's you it's important that you make one investment as a LP because otherwise it's really hard to be fiduciary of someone else's money when you haven't been on the other side. You see what I'm saying? Um, and most general partners, um, how do I put it? They usually do a few single families already and they also invest in someone else's deals and then they see kind of the whole spectrum and then they gain enough knowledge so that they can do their own deals. So mm -hmm. it's like doing your first general partner is kind of like going to college. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's actually many 12 years of education before you go to college, right? Right. So, so there's that. All right. So you're looking at this marketplace on the marketplace side, you can see there is a list of investment opportunities, right? And then, so you have the inv minimum investments, a hundred thousand, the IRR is 13.7, which turns into a 16.4 annualized return and a 1.82 uh, uh, equity multiple over five years, right? So there are a bunch of these 506C investments. Um, if you're not sure what 506C is, it, it's basically those investments that you can publicly advertise, okay? Mm -hmm. Then underneath, you see a list of people's profiles. Now, why are people's profiles important? Because in order to invest in uh, with a GP and to see their private deals, SEC, the Security Exchange Commission, requires that you and the GP have a relationship, a substantive relationship. That means you need to know each other before they can tell you about their deal. So that's why this whole marketplace is built like a social network. So here I am going to click into Tony. So Tony is saying uh, it loads really fast. And Tony is a lead sponsor. And Tony is looking for investors and co-sponsors. Okay. Investor is probably the audience who is looking for uh to, to invest with Tony, right? You cannot see the deals because we want to be SEC compliant, but you can see this person's history and chart record. Tony is a sponsor of 691 units. He has $180 million of portfolio value. He invests in 176 units himself as a passive investor. Tony is the founder of Novo Multifamily Group LLC, and he is highly respected with 25 years of experience on portfolio management. And he's affiliated with a mentorship group, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Tony lists out all the podcasts that he appears on as a guest. And so wow. as an LP, you can actually check them out. And, you know, like Ben, feel free to tell other GPs to fill out a biography like this so that they can get more exposure. And mm -hmm. then underneath, you see a list of sponsor sponsored deals, right? Where... Um, this is a 20 unit that Tony syndicated. This is a 60 unit that Tony syndicated. And there's a, a 396 unit that they syndicated. And then these are the deals that Tony invests in passively. So this is a very, very beautiful layout, right? If you look at it from a mobile perspective, that's wow. also beautifully layout, right? So that's why that's what I mean by we are good in technology as in like, you know, we whatever we build is pretty high quality. Now, yeah. <laughs> as an LP, as an LP, LP can add a personalized message, which is like, hey, Tony, I would love to get to know you and I would like to uh, add myself to your investor database, right? So then um, the LP can say, I am accredited. I want to invest $100,000 and my timeline is three to six months. I live in Seattle. I am very likely to invest. I am a tech entrepreneur. I can share my income and net worth if I want to, and usually, but usually I don't do that. And I can share my previous investment summary and these are my investment goals, right? And then I go ahead and share this qualification form with Tony. Then Tony and the LP go on a call, get to know each other, 
and the LP will get to know about this uh, Tony's upcoming investment opportunities. So what problem are we solving? For the LP, we are solving the problem that nowhere in the world can you get 12 to 20% annualized return that is stable, consistent, not volatile, and recession and inflation resistant, right? Nowhere, right? The, that's a that's a compelling reason, but not everyone knows that you can do that. So there might be skeptics out there, fine. For the GP, the problem that we are solving for them is that they want more investors. They want more LPs, right? And that's a real problem. And then the problem that I want to solve is I want to create a community where the LPs can learn about real estate syndication, can connect with people who are good at it and be able to retire and invest. Yeah. Great. Well, let me just say that um anyone uh it's a uh, cashflowportal.com for anyone mm -hmm. listening who wants to check it out. But um yeah, just looking at this demo, it's uh definitely beautiful. I see mm -hmm. the Silicon Valley influence, um, and the simplicity, the speed, the um just the overall like good looking thing. So that's uh props for you for that. Definitely um definitely need some of that in the, the real estate industry. <laughs> so um yeah, and then um, so yeah, how do you make money? How does the business work? That's uh that's I want to get kind of under under the um under the surface. Yeah, absolutely. So uh before I talk about the revenue model, I want to talk about that what I just show you is the connection piece, which is the LP mm -hmm. comes on to find the GP they want to talk to. Once the LP is ready, they can click into a deal. And on this particular deal, you can see that this is a file 6C offering. You can see the summary. You can see the, about the offering. And you can see the documents and so on and so forth. You can watch the webinar, which will open mm -hmm. up in a different tab. And then the LP can actually click on invest now to go inside the investment funnel. And this is also a beautiful layout where they can create a pro uh, create a profile and they can invest. And uh, if it's a file 6C, we also do the accreditation directly on the website. So the as you can see, it's going from learning to discovery, to connection, to building a relationship, to actually investing and all the post-investing logistics like document signing, ACH, monthly updates, K1s, tax documents, disposition, you know, so, so it's cash an end flow, to end. cash flow and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, oh, wow. that's exactly nice. right. So, 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 so that's the value now. So then your question is how do we make money? Um, the LP is absolutely free to create an account. So, so for the same reason, you can create an account on LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn does charge you for, 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 for money, right? To create an account. You can connect with as many people as you want. And we also don't charge for that. The GP on, uh, can create an account for free. So, so where does the money come from? When the LP invests with the GP, the GP needs a software to manage all the investor signing, like this whole process, right? Um, so if I go into the GP view, you can see GP actually see a list of investors. They can see the distributions. They can see the documents. They can countersign. They can verify if someone is accredited. That software we charge based on software as a service model. It's a monthly fee. And that's very, very affordable. So we charge from the GP. So if I go to the pricing page, if someone manages for a million dollars, it's $99 a month. And if someone manages for 5 million, it's $228 a month. 
and if mm-hmm. someone managed to save 50 million, it's about a thousand dollars a month. Okay, so yeah. that's how we make money. The right. second way we make money is that if we help the GP raise money, say we help them raise a million dollars to two million dollars, we will have an equity stake at the deal, which wow. meaning we are a co-sponsor on the deal. So you can imagine that if we make this happen, it could snowball, right? That's why we don't charge for anything. Uh, we 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 actually want to make money in real estate and we want to facilitate that real estate transaction. Our goal is to be one of the largest co-sponsors there is, right? By facilitating wow. and building that community between the GPs and the LPs. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Does that make sense? I yeah, I didn't think uh, you had that last part. Last time you were on a podcast. Ah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's very interesting. And I really like that, especially as someone, um, yeah, who's likes real estate. And this is a great way to, you know, also get exposure to that. And, um, yeah, it definitely shows an alignment of interest as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah very, uh, very interesting. Great. So, um, yeah, well, that was all really helpful. Thanks for sharing that. Um, well, I don't have too much for more for you before we get into the lightning round. But um, I guess the one question I wanted to have was you've worked at um, a bunch of famous companies that a lot of people are familiar with, like um, like uh, mm-hmm. Lyft and Twitter and Amazon. I want to know if you could tell us anything um, that the public wouldn't know, not like secrets, but like like things that only you only know if you know someone in the, in the industry, like that uh, maybe uh, interesting things about, you know, working in, in tech or uh, working at those companies. Yeah. Um, something that people outside of the industry may not know is a typical, you know, really good software engineer will be making uh, mid six figures. So if you are really, really good and you work at one of those big companies, you know, 600K total compensation is very typical. And if you are really, really good, you can actually make about, you know, um, 2x that, that, even as a software engineer, as a really good software engineer, uh, especially at the time the, the the stock is really high. You can make almost 2x of that. Um, so that means uh, what I have learned is that it's very hard for a software engineer to give up their job and pursue other passions. Um, so, so it's a golden handcuff. Uh, that's what I've learned. Um, so that's one thing. Um, you know, out of all the companies, I, 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 I have the most um, career growth uh, at Lyft where I learned to become an engineer manager. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon taught me to have amazing customer obsession. And that is something we bring to our startup. Um, and the fact that I'm in Seattle, I'm just... Uh, you can call it drinking the Kool-Aid, but I think it actually mm-hmm. works. Okay. Um, yeah. So so that's helpful. Uh, and that's why Amazon is one of the best companies out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Twitter is really good at building this amazing engineering culture. The The people I worked at Twitter are some of the smartest people I've ever met. Uh, so, so I learned just the good things from everyone. Um, yeah. So I will say, it, it, you know, in retrospect, I probably quit my job a little bit too late um but i also had the ha- golden handcuff <laughs> yeah well it doesn't sound like the, the worst salary to be getting as a e- either way so um <laughs> yeah i guess someone if you don't know what you want to do maybe think about software engineering <laughs> sure right well great <laughs> well i appreciate sharing that too that's uh very interesting and it's i'm glad that you've brought some of the best parts of the best companies to your own company which is mm-hmm. great awesome yep. well 
Appreciate that. Um, you ready for the lightning round? Absolutely. All right, let's yeah. do it. So first, if, if you could have any superpower, what would what would that be? Any superpower, what would that be? Man, I think every time I do this, it's slightly different. Um, I right now, I will say, honestly, it's the ability not to worry too much. Uh, that it could be my Achilles heel. Um, when I make a decision, I think about five, 20 different things that could go wrong and then make the decision that things do. But, but I worry about the bad consequences of, of all the things that could go wrong. And that that could take a toll on me. So if I have a superpower, I don't want a crystal ball because that will make life too boring. But I wish I can think a little bit faster so that it, it doesn't become a stressful process. Yeah. Well, at least you make the decisions too. So that's important because <laughs> sometimes you get analyzed for so long that you don't even make a decision. And we know that that's not good for um, for a startup. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, what's your favorite book or what's the one that's helped you the most? Yeah. Uh, the quote for some bubbling entrepreneurs will be, um, of all words, tongue and pen, the saddest are these, what could have been. That's the quote. Of all words, tongue and pen, the saddest are these, what could have been. Which means, for fast forward many, many years, if you have, if you want to scratch your itch and do something that you think you know the best in a very particular niche, you know, go for it. Um, when I started the company, I could very honestly say that there were 10 syndication software companies at that point. Um, and everyone told me, that it's not a good idea to start. It's saturated. And the people who don't know about this space think that this is a very niche space and that, you know, it, it, it probably will stay this way for a long time. And that's all fair. I just I just like it. And I don't know why. I actually don't know if it's going to work. Um, but I think by doing it, I will have the least regret many years from now. So um, that was one of the biggest impetus for me to quit my job. Yeah, well, great. And it definitely makes sense. Um, so what what motivates you to continue every day? Ah, um, that's a good question. So people ask me, you know, why do I work? Um, and people say, oh, you are very efficient with time. You are very um, competent. Um, and I agree. I, But I don't think I am efficient with time. I really don't think. Um, and the reason is I I actually consider myself a very lazy person. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you ask me, when is the day I do my taxes? I always <laughs> wait until October to finish my taxes, right? Um, if you ask me, you know, how, um, there are a lot of things I pull off. So I'm not a, I'm not a like on time person. Um, however, I am very good at doing everything I can to get what I want. Um, like it's you know legally and do it the right way. But like if I want something, I will think about every possible way to get it. And 
every day when I wake up and now I actually, I really, really like my job. So it doesn't feel like work. It feels like as soon as I respond to that first email, I can spend the next one hour just doing work. And I didn't know the time has passed. And if I have to be introspective, the reason I can do that, I think is because it's, it's become a habit. It's unconscious at this point. I don't know why I'm very efficient, but I just happen to be efficient at this work domain, but I'm not efficient in real life. Mm, that's very interesting. Well, do you have a favorite mm -hmm. book? Yeah. The, um, one of the favorite books, um, there are two favorite books I've been reading. Um, and, and this book also keeps changing. So the book I really, really like right now is this book called Traction. And I will say people don't read Traction if you are just starting out. Read Traction once you have product market fit because it's a lot about management and scaling the company. And you don't need that when you are like trying to find that first idea, right? Um, and if you want a book on entrepreneurship, there's a book called How to Get Rich by Felice Dennis. It's actually not a self-help book. It's more about a tale of entrepreneurship, which is massively interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, definitely check it out. And uh, I was thinking about reading Traction, but at the same time, I, when I re read the back, I was like, um, yeah, I think there's some other things I should definitely read first. <laughs> it was a little bit dry too. It's like, wait, do I really want to get into this? It was so course? dry. It, and it has all these acronyms and it's written in the like the 80s, right? Uh, or like yeah. 90s. And I was like, this is so old fashioned. So, yeah, but I, um, but like, and I, I never, uh, like, it took me a forever to finish the book because every few like sentences, I had to think about how this applies to my organization and right. I stopped reading. Right. So it was very dry. It was, it's, it's basically like an encyclopedia. Yeah. That's what it seems like. Yeah. So I was like, huh, this is not casual. So, <laughs> right. That's right. So, yeah. So, uh, what advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? I think I my advice is nobody knows the answer. Um, yeah. Uh, like you might look up to people that that have been there or um, but they don't know the future either. Um, if you believe you are smart and you're competent and you can do it, um, I will say go for it. Um, yeah. Um, you know, when I was starting out, there were some really good syndicators that told me that, hey, you know, it's really hard to find differentiation in this market, uh, in this product. It's actually really hard and it's a small market. So it's like, I just don't see how anyone could become your customer. And so that was the skeptics. And then, you know, a year and a half later, they became our customer. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one of the best, you know, turnarounds. So nobody knows, nobody knows the future. So, um, but it, uh, it, it will take everyone about three years to go from having an idea to finding reasonable amounts of traction and product market fit. Um, and so th the only way you can show is by doing it. And, and the other thing I will say is if you are thinking about doing something, anything extraordinary or something really awesome is you wouldn't know what it takes until you do it and don't worry about that you don't have the skill set to know it because if you know how to do it then everyone will have been doing it right so so 
Uh, so what I mean by that is you're going to be a different person running a successful business by the time it's successful than when you first started. When I started, I had no idea how to sell, how to market, how to do anything. Everything else, I everything I learned on the job. Yes, I know I know how to code, sure. But that's like a very small part of building a business. So don't worry too much. About, oh, do I know this? Or do I need to know this? Or do I need to learn this? Yes, you will. But learn it on the job. Don't like learn everything and go do it. Because learning everything doesn't is not sufficient for doing it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Don't don't really listen to people if you believe enough of your of your what you want to do. Yeah, that's a great it's great advice come from someone who's actually done it. So appreciate that. Yeah. Well, yeah. lastly, since I put you on the spot, I want to give you a chance for revenge. So uh, feel free to ask me anything you want to know about me. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask, what is your three year goal? Three year you, goal. You have Ooh. this podcast. You you know you have. So um, I think there's this uh, one milestone I'm trying to accomplish, which is um, 10K of passive income um, per month. Mm-hmm. And I think at that, when I'm at that level, that's when um, I definitely have my basic needs covered and some extra above that, um, you know, ability to have, you know, a little bit of a leisure and travel and, um, you know, providing for, whoever I need to provide for. So it gives me like a really good foundation to start. So I'm looking to to get to that level where I feel like that's um my, it's a little bit beyond maybe financially free, but like financially like comfortable, it sounds like, you know? So mm. that's what, um, that's what I'm trying to achieve. And uh, I think um three to five years um is not, not out of the question whatsoever. I think it definitely could be done. So um yeah, I guess first I'm looking for a way of creating the, income on the on the front end where i can um, actually deploy it into to real estate or wherever i decide to um do that but um yeah so that's that's kind of what i'm looking for in terms of that but the the path to that is that there's a lot of different questions you know i'm in a very <laughs> um you very uh there's a lot the place i'm at i am in life has a lot of possibilities that that stem from it in terms of like going down the job or starting a company or you know what part of the real estate industry I want to mm-hmm. have a job in or, you know, who am I going to work with? There's a lot of unknowns, but it's uh, very exciting. So I'm excited. That's awesome. I, I love that goal. Yeah. And I am not going to give any advice on what path you should go down. Choose the one that that's most befitting. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's yeah. interesting, but um, I really want to look into myself and look into my own values and see what um, is true to me. And uh, I think that's, that's a, it's a good time for introspection and learning, learning a lot of uh, tactics and philosophy class too, to do that. So. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. So um, I guess, uh, is there any final remarks you have for the audience and is there a place for, for people to find out more about Cashflow Portal and about you? Yeah. To find out more about us, simply go to cashflowportal.com. You can register a account for free. You can click on the marketplace to connect with syndicators and in the upper right-hand corner, there's a button called Schedule a Demo. And you can schedule a demo with our team. Um, and if you ask for Perry, um, I will be there as well. Awesome. Sounds great. And um, my last question, I just thought of it. Are you still looking for investors? Or like, where are you in the capital raising or the venture venture startup you know, yeah. series of events? We, we, um, we are looking for strategic partners. 
So if you know anyone or anyone who's interested, um, yeah, um, uh, can can come chat with us. Um, right now we close our round, so so we are not open having a round open, but in the future we always want to look for you know customers and and or even just investors that want to invest their capital, right? Because uh, sky is the limit on what we can build. Right. Well, maybe one time you'll see Cashflow Portal on Cashflow Portal. You want to invest in sure. Cashflow Portal? That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> awesome. Actually, uh, actually, um, my second part of the equity race, we we use Cashflow Portal to raise for Cashflow Portal. So that was nice. Great. I love yeah. to see that. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. That's that's yeah. awesome. Solving your own problems. Well, great guys. Uh, everyone. Check out Cashflow Portal. Definitely sounds like a great resource for uh, anyone trying to learn more or, um, you know, find a way into syndication. Harry, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to have you. I learned a lot and I know everyone else will. And everybody, keep making milestones. Before you go, I just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to another awesome episode of Real Estate Milestones. If you've been enjoying the show and you'd like to offer your support, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to increase the show's visibility and help the message get out to a greater audience. I really appreciate your time and support and keep making milestones.